small content warning. This episode contains a brief, non-detailed mention of losing someone to suicide. This is Accentricity Series 2, The Moving Project. Stories about migration, language and identity from around the world. Over the past year, we've been teaching a free online course on how to podcast and helping a group of people to tell personal stories about the experience of moving from one place to another. This is the final episode in the series, and it's my mum's story. Instead of just asking me whether she could take part in the moving project, my mum uh, went to the Accentricity website and filled in an application form, just like everybody else did, so that I was sorting through the applications and I came across hers and thought, oh, this is weird, this person has the exact same name as my mum, before realising that it was my mum. Instead of the usual short audio piece and interview format, this episode's just a standard length Accentricity episode. Mum provided the content and I did the editing, and there's probably as much of me in there as there is of her. So really it's our family story, told by both of us together. I asked her about things that I'd never asked her about before, things that I don't really know how I'd managed to never ask her about before, and I'm really glad that I did. Here's our story. My mum's Polish, but she's not from Poland. She was born in Edinburgh. I have a memory of being maybe about seven and drawing a picture of myself. I was trying to work something out and it was something that I already understood to be quite complicated. First, I coloured my arms and face in yellow. In the code I'd made up for myself, yellow meant Scottish. Next, I did my legs in green. My legs were Irish because Dad said that I had quite long legs like all his side of the family did, my Irish family. Then I coloured my arms and torso in purple, which meant Polish. I'd lived all of my life in Scotland, but at that age I was proud that I wasn't only Scottish. In school we sang Old Flower of Scotland and learned about Robert Burns, but I was proud that my family had other languages and other accents too, even if they didn't quite belong to me. It's a long time now since my family lived in Poland. Poland has changed without us. Communism has been and gone. Its borders have shifted. My family's village has literally disappeared. And the train station my great-granddad worked at is now in part of the Ukraine. We're Scottish now. Mostly. Except when we're not. Still, even now, if you ask my mum, my Scotland-born, Scottish-accented mum, whether she's Polish, She says that yes, of course she is. She teaches people how to say her name, Durkacz, not Durkaz. She sings Polish songs and makes friends with the new arrivals from Poland. She brought us up on Polish Mass and Bigos and opening presents on Christmas Eve. Now that I study migration as part of my job, I often come across demands for migrants arriving in the UK to integrate. Some people will say, yeah, we're all right with immigration as long as people integrate. Integrating means fitting in with the local culture, adapting, maybe forgetting, maybe disappearing. And it's something that my family haven't really done. Why is my mum so Polish? 
Gura luce cinie jal, gura luvracai doha. My, my mother was quite ill at the time when I was born. She'd suffered from high blood pressure um, and preeclampsia. And so my grandmother had fairly recently come over from Poland just before I was born. And she, of course, didn't speak any English at all. So she was quite involved in, in looking after me a lot of the time. And she sp- spoke only Polish to me. My mum's grandmother was called Josefa Kaczynska, but in the family she's only ever referred to as Babcha, the Polish word for granny. She was born in a town called Bells in 1899. When she was born it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and when she died it was part of the Ukraine, but she was always Polish. At the start of World War II, Babcha was living in a village called Sokoliki. Her two sons left in secret to join the Polish army and her husband Jan had to go into hiding. She was left behind by herself. They captured my grandmother and they held her for, I think, maybe a couple of months and they interrogated her about where her her husband and her um, sons had gone. And this this would be the, the Russians, the Russian army, yeah. Yeah, so she, she's... She stayed in Poland. Uh, I don't know what happened during the war, but it can't have been very easy. Um, but, well, she talked to me about a lot of things, but she didn't talk, talk to me about what happened when she was when she was captured by the Russians and held prisoner for, for a while. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I suspect she might have been tortured. Who knows? Babcha's husband Jan eventually returned to the village, but her two sons, Kazimierz and Tadeusz, never did. She assumed they'd been killed. My Polish grandfather, um, my Jadik, uh, he died, I think, shortly after the war. Anyway, so he died, and so Babcha was on her own. It wasn't until much later that she was contacted by the Red Cross, who were working to reunite families separated by the war. She found out that Kazimierz and Tadeusz had both survived and had ended up being stationed in Edinburgh, in Scotland, where they'd both stayed. Her sons were alive and they were married with children. She had grandchildren and her grandchildren were Scottish. I think I was, yes, I was about to be born and I think my dad thought that it would give Bapcha a chance, you know, she could come over and make a new life for herself and help look after the children. And just like that, Babcha left Poland and moved to the other side of Europe. She never spoke any English? No, no, she didn't. But she didn't have to. She didn't have to. She would go she would go to the, the Polish doctor, Dr. Tomaszewski, the Polish greengrocer at Delicatessen and Butcher. And so she didn't really need to speak Because there was such a Polish community <laughs> in Edinburgh. There was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, she certainly quickly made a bunch of friends. Because the Polish people were, were so, they were very devoutly religious and the church was definitely a, a big centre of the community. And so she would, she would have met a lot of people through the Polish church. 
So she wasn't lonely. She had a, a bunch of old ladies. A lot of them were widows, sadly. Um, and they all wore beautiful hats and they had them tightly pinned to their heads with, with big hat pins and they never took them off. They would come round and they would take off their their coats, their their fur coats, and put them down. And Babcha would have baked all these wonderful pierniki and other Polish cakes, makovnik, lovely, lovely Polish cakes. She was a great baker, and they would sit and eat cakes with her. But my favourite was Pani Zarkiewicz, who was a tall, thin, bony, very old woman very glamorous, always dressed in black with feathers in her hat. She was wonderful. She was like a, a sort of a crow, but a magnificent sort of old one. So my mum was raised speaking Polish. Do you remember when you realised that not everyone could speak Polish? Oh, no. I think I must have realised very early, really. It was it was almost like it was my my private language, my private home language with Babcha. <laughs> and yeah, I think I think I must have known very early that not everyone understood. It was certainly it was quite a strange thing at school. It was a strange thing at school because. I think I was probably the only one in my class who spoke another language. In those days, there were there weren't that there wasn't the same sort of ethnic mix that there is today. Um, yeah, so there were a lot of Scottish kids in my class and who didn't speak any other language, and I think they were. I was probably very shy about it. I think, I think I was shy because it just. Made me made me a bit a little bit odd. I was a shy wee thing. I kept a low profile. I didn't I didn't want to be sticking out like a sore thumb. I think Mum always felt the pull both ways, the desire to blend in and to be normal, but also the desire to show people every part of her cultural identity, and to have a Polish community around her in Scotland. I think that's a pull that still exists for a lot of Scottish Poles today like the kids I worked with in my PhD research. Do you think there was like much of an idea of like, like a demand for Polish people at that time to, to become, to integrate, to like let go of their Polishness and become Scottish? Um, yes, I'm, I'm sure that there was a, a, a sort of hidden and unspoken need for that to happen. And I, I'm sure that a lot of the, Polish people felt that and wanted to integrate and many of them changed their names from Polish and mm. um, we didn't um, yes yes no like I feel like you guys kind of resisted that <laughs> quite a lot yes. and I mean you guys by like our family like our family mm. <laughs> like has never really like even now like our family's been in Scotland for a really long time. Yes, yes. But, like, I definitely grew up not thinking I was completely Scottish. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, from I both know. you and Dad. Like, I was, like, I'm, I remember being a kid and being, like, 
yeah, I'm a little bit Scottish, but I'm also Polish and I'm also Irish, yeah. even though I was born in Scotland. Yeah. Well, I think that that's that's something that's, that's very good and positive that's happening now is that people are being taught that they should be proud of their heritage. Um, but, yeah, after the war, yeah, people would... I, th- I think the Polish people would try to integrate and be as invisible as they could be. And because they're white, mm. they could. You know, you, you don't mm. look at a Polish person and immediately think that that they are uh, are immigrants but um until you hear the accent really yeah like with my phd research there were definitely well so what one of the things i kind of found that i wrote a bit about was that amongst the kids i met there were kids who very much like i think i used the word like visible and invisible like being visibly polish and invisibly mm-hmm. polish there were some kids who just like would would change their names so that they had like Scottish sounding names. They would like not speak Polish yes. at all, and yes. they would just completely hide. Yeah. But then there were other kids who really resisted that, and they yeah. would be like, yeah, they would they would deliberately like pronounce their names in a Polish way, yes. and they would speak Polish, and they would make friends with the Polish kids, and they'd be like, no, I'm not Scottish, I'm Polish, yes. even if they had Scottish accents. Yeah. Well, from from listening to your your episode one, listening to Leon. Um, who he first introduced himself as Leon Zadowski or something, and then he pronounced it properly. The Polish Zadowski yeah. pronounced it properly, mm-hmm. but to me, I mean, right from early on, I, I was always absolutely, absolutely outraged if anyone mispronounced my surname, <laughs> and they did all the time. They called me Anna and Durkaz was the most common. You drilled it into me when I was little. I I remember you being like, don't let anyone say Durkaz. It's Durkaz. Butcher died in the 90s. By that time, the Poles who'd moved over during the war were ageing and their children and grandchildren were becoming more Scottish with every generation. As the older generation faded, Mum had less people to speak Polish with. But then, in the early 2000s, Poland joined the EU, and Polish people began to move to Scotland again. Suddenly, Mum was hearing Polish spoken in the streets again, and meeting a new generation of Polish migrants. When Polish people first started coming over to Scotland, um, and I would hear Polish on buses, I, I'd be delighted by it. And mm. I, I would just introduce myself to people just because they were Polish and for no other reason. And, um, I mean, that still happens, really. That still happens. And I think a lot of Polish people are quite surprised to find an an older person who is born here, and he was obviously Scottish, but he also spoke Polish. Do you remember, like, the first time that happened when you heard someone speaking Polish and just kind of started talking to them? Yes, uh, well, yes, probably it might might have been Krisha and Magda who I met at the doctor's surgery in Craig Miller. Did yeah. you? Well, there, there was uh, one of them, she had a, had a wee boy with her and she didn't speak any English. Um, and, and she was talking to the receptionist, trying to communicate with the receptionist and I just overheard and I, I just offered to come in and help her because I could speak English, so... I, so I went in to uh, see the doctor with her and, and work out what was wrong with her wee boy who had earache. 
One of the really strange things about living in diaspora is that the country your family left changes without you. The language changes without you. I know that from speaking to a lot of young Polish people, a lot of my my Polish knowledge and understanding is quite old-fashioned to them. So, for instance, even well, firstly, even the way I the way I speak is quite old-fashioned. I um I, I speak a lot a lot more um, politely, like you you would refer to people in the third person, like the polite you, rather than you, to, um, and I think that's possibly a bit less used now. And in fact, in fact, I, th- I think I spoke rather politely to a young Polish woman once and she was a bit embarrassed by it. So <laughs> It was only very recently that I had to teach myself certain words in Polish that my grandmother never taught me. Swear words? Just, a, just out of interest. Well, that, yes. That sort of thing. <laughs> Swear words and words about sex, which she never taught me. Of course. Which I didn't even know existed in Polish. <laughs> but what are grandmothers for? Why did you have to learn them? Did you learn them like... Well, I didn't have to... I'd have in, well, because I was... I, I, I went to the library to get books out and there was a Polish librarian and she um, directed me to some very good current current well, but, well novels by current authors about life in Poland and just just social situations and normal everyday life but really very good stories and there were words in it that I, I had to look up in the dictionary because I didn't know them and they didn't have them in a lot of the dictionaries so so I had to resort to YouTube <laughs> there are some very Quite funny videos on YouTube about yeah. <laughs> learn to swear in Polish. <laughs> learn learn how to chat up a girl in Polish. <laughs> Nowadays, the majority of mum's life happens in English, but it's like Polish is always there, bubbling away just under the surface, waiting for opportunities to break through. She'll go to get her car fixed and make best pals with the mechanic when she realises he's Polish. She'll go to a Scottish folk session and occasionally break out a Polish song. And then there are the unexpected moments when Polish ambushes her, taking her by surprise. Like the awful day when we lost my brother, Tom, to suicide. Me and my sister were on the bus from Glasgow and my mum had to be interviewed by the police by herself. You told me a story that I was like remembering um, when I was thinking about this and I was kind of working out what questions I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. when when Tom died and you had to speak to the police. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the policewoman was Polish. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That was just very emotional. But So what was that like? Because the policewoman mm. started to speak Polish to yes, you, right? Yeah. Because mm. had you been well, speaking in English up to that point? Yes, yes, we had. Yeah, but I think well, uh, I think it was 
Oh, it's, it's actually really hard for me to say it now. It's just brought all oh, back. Mm. No, it, it was. Sorry, it, I kind of sprung that. Yeah, on you. yeah. It was no, but it's it's an important point really because I've it was kind of like I was. You know that was the real me. It was brought right back to my childhood. I was actually very, very, very. Oh, it's an important point and a very powerful. It was emotionally very powerful. And strange, very strange. I, th I think she she sort of spoke to me at the end, and she 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 lapsed into Polish. I think it's just because she just I found it very emotional as well. I think she she was, you know, she was just speaking to me on a very heartfelt level, and she found it easier to do it in Polish. That was it. Probably because Polish was something that I had grown up with from tiny babyhood. I think speaking with the, the policewoman, it, it felt really kind of primal, if you know what I mean. That was, I mean, I couldn't have, uh, I just couldn't have imagined that that would happen. But it just, I think, I think. At at that point, I felt like I made a very, a very important contact with, with her on a, on a very deep level, somehow, God, because she spoke to me in Polish. It surprised me how. Her speaking Polish, touched me. All through this episode, the main point I've been making is just how important Polishness is to my mum. The culture, the identity, but most of all the language itself. So there's one sticking point here. One thing that really doesn't seem to fit. Why are we doing this interview in English and not in Polish? Well, how come I don't speak Polish, mum? <laughs> well, I did try to teach you some Polish, mm -hmm. didn't I? Mm -hmm. And we didn't have any other Polish people around who would be chatting with you in Polish. Well, apart from there was Auntie Renia, we didn't see her that often though. Mm. Um so so in fact I you you could say you could say um the Lord's Prayer in Polish. That's yeah. right, that one. Very good. Mm -hmm. You still remember it. <laughs> Very good. And there was other there I, I think I, I must have taught you one or two wee Polish songs. Schlimak, schlimak, vishta, froggy, damchi, groshna, nampi, rogi. Kind of things, up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But like, yeah. So do you, so do you think if I was to actually grow up properly, being able to converse in Polish, mm -hmm. like we would have had to be an all Polish household? I think that that would have helped an awful lot. I th I think it would have been like. It would have been like a full time job if I was going to be teaching you and your dad how to speak Polish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you see, you you and I would have been having all these private conversations, and he wouldn't have, 
he would have felt left out. Mm. Really. Do you think he would have minded? I don't know. It might might have yeah, it might have inspired him to go off and join a proper Polish class. <laughs> I don't think he no, I don't think he particularly wanted to learn to speak Polish. He mm. didn't see the need for it. If there had yeah, been Yeah, there well there wasn't a need no, for it, I guess. No. Uh-huh. I mean nowadays if things had been different and you'd been born thirty years later, then maybe yeah, maybe now it would have been worth bringing you up speaking Polish. And then I guess, like, because, like, a lot of the, you know, like, bilingualism matters and stuff, and there's all these, like, sort of campaign groups almost now that are like, oh, you know, raising your kid bilingual is a good thing, but maybe that wasn't around as much in the sort of childcare chat in those days. No, it wasn't at all. I mean, I, I knew it in my heart. I knew that it would it was good to be mm. brought up bilingual, but it, it would <laughs> yeah. have been quite an effort just doing it on my own and not having any. Mm-hmm. Maybe if there had been like a Polish um, mother and toddler group or something, then that would have made mm. it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but totally. And mm. then, so, because obviously then I just had that that little bit of polish and i always thought that was quite cool but mm. and i would like whip out my polish whenever i could but i would just <laughs> mostly speak english but then when i was doing my phd so i started doing phd working with polish kids mm-hmm. and then i started going to polish lessons at the university mm-hmm. um and i still don't really speak polish very well but i do remember when i was like i've been learning polish mum, and i tried to speak polish to you mm-hmm. and you were a bit like mm. <laughs> you were you were not that impressed by my Polish. <laughs> Do I sound weird when I speak Polish? Um. <laughs> well, no, it's very good. You're very it's good, darling. Very good. Yes, <laughs> you're a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? What does it sound like when I speak Polish? Well, when well, well, it didn't didn't sound correct. <laughs> <laughs> the pronunciation is difficult, Sadie. You know it is. <laughs> I know. To be honest, I feel like your reaction when I tried to speak Polish to you was like almost disgust. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh no! Like, I'm proud. Was it? I was a proud mum. <laughs> Was it a little bit jarring hearing me try and speak Polish and sounding <laughs> weird? Like, be honest. Was it a little bit like, why is my child not Polish? <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm kind of... Oh, God, I was about to say I was slightly disappointed. <laughs> That's even worse. I oh, was no. Because a little I'm bit so of me, sorry. like I know, I know this isn't how language works, but a little bit of me thought that I might have like some kind of latent In, like, memory, yeah, I know, knowledge I know. of like. So I just kind of thought, like, even like you know, I've been around Polish quite a lot, so I yes. thought like. The pronunciation might be like in my blood or something, and then I discovered it's definitely not. Yeah. So like, it's, it is a bit disappointing. It's very difficult. 
<laughs> like one day I'll learn properly and I'll get really good and you'll yes. be genuinely not disappointed. No, I'm I'm very proud of you, Sadie, my love. Honestly. <laughs> but No, no. I'm very Scottish. <laughs> well that's good. Yeah. But like this part of you feel like your children should be more Polish than they are. Because none of us are very Polish. Let's no, be no, I, no, no. I, I just think that you, you're just kids that were brought up in Edinburgh. So and that's, that's, <laughs> that's okay. okay. But is that okay with you? That's, that's okay with me. That's fine with me. When I was little, I was proud of being Polish, even if it was just a small part of me. Then for a long time, I didn't think much about it. But as I've grown up, I've started to become more interested in remembering something that I never really knew in the first place. Because the parts of me that I used to colour in purple for Polish, they're not just parts of me. They're parts of my mum, and my granddad, Kazimierz, and my great-granny, Josefa, Babcha. She taught my mum a song called Giralu, a Polish folk song. Mum sang it to me when I was wee, but I never knew what the words meant until I was making this episode and I looked up a translation. A gural is a member of a particular ethnic group from the Polish Highlands. The song's addressed to a gural, and the words say, Gural, do you not regret abandoning your paternal homeland? Spruce forests and chalets and the silver streams. Only the fathers remain in the huts. If you leave them to go in the distance, what will become of them? Who can tell? So the Gural cries like a child, maybe I'll never see them again. For the grandparents must be abandoned. For bread, sir, for bread. Babcha lived through two world wars. She saw her homeland change in front of her eyes, and then away from her eyes when she was in Scotland. She died when I was two years old, the same year the Berlin Wall fell. I don't remember her, but she held me. This episode is dedicated to her and to all of the grandparents who had to leave or be left behind. Dziękuję bardzo. I hope we make you proud. Thanks to Mum for making this episode with me and for answering all of my questions, even the ones that made her cry. Mum's a singer-songwriter and a member of two bands, Ravaged Hearts and the Professors of Logic. She wrote this song about speaking Polish, which I'm going to use to play out this series. I'll put some links in the episode description if you'd like to hear more of her music. And the passing of the seasons Oh, I love the Polish language But there is another reason Gotta get dangerous Gotta speak Polish Gotta get dangerous Gotta speak Polish Well, my car needed fixing So I called for a mechanic I really hope you've enjoyed this series. 
Thanks to everyone who took part. Thanks to John McDermott, Martha Ryan, Seb Felt for making the music, and Aileen Marshall for doing the transcripts. Also, shout out to my brand new puppy, Jeannie, who had a four-hour afternoon nap to allow me to record this voiceover. We'll be back before too long with more stories about language and identity. Until then, keep talking, keep fighting, and remember that every voice is valid. Syntax was so cute. His request for a cup of tea was beautifully put. Gotta get dangerous. Gotta speak Polish. Gotta get dangerous. Gotta speak Polish. He started working on my car with his tools. to articulate in a fine linguistic manner I was flattered by his use of words his grammar was exquisite his perfect mending of my car required a second visit gonna get dangerous gonna speak Thank you.